a listener production. This podcast was created in partnership with Fantastic Furniture. Hi, I'm renovation expert Cherie Barber and this is Transform Your Home. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about the importance of a detailed floor plan. This is really going to be your roadmap that shows you exactly where everything's got to go, all your fixtures and your furnishings, your lighting, the whole lot. Have you ever heard that saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail? So without a proper floor plan, your home makeover might go something a little bit like this. You've got your colour scheme all sorted, you love the feature light you've chosen, the flooring looks great, you know you want a three-seater sofa here, telly's going to go over there, but then you add your coffee table and you find there's barely enough room to swing a cat around. And that, my friends, is why we do a floor plan. You make all those mistakes on paper and it doesn't cost you a cent. You simply go back to the drawing board, you shuffle things around a bit on paper and voila, only then can you safely go out shopping. Your layout will also tell you dead practical stuff like where your PowerPoints and your light switches are. The last thing you want to be doing is hanging a wall-hung TV and then having to have an unsightly electrical cord dangling down your wall. So thinking about these things right up front is going to be beneficial for you. So now you know why you need a floor plan, let's look at how you go about doing it. Well, there are a few key elements of your floor plan that you really do need to think about before you start designing your rooms. Number one, your room size. Is it a big or a small space? Unless your room is especially small, avoid pushing all your furniture right up against your walls. It's one of my pet hates and a mistake that I see so often. A sofa rammed up against a wall. You'd be so much better to pull it off the wall, even if it's only five or 10 centimetres, you'll find your room will instantly look bigger. Number two, room shape. Is it a regular shape like a square or a rectangle, which is very common, or does it have some awkward angles that you'll need to work around? Number three, your wall locations. Do you have one long wall that you can use as your design anchor, or is it a space made up of lots of small walls broken up by windows and doors? That can really affect a lot of things that you do and don't put in that room. Number four, your window locations you really do need to consider where these are in terms of where natural light comes from, what the outlook is, and whether it's possible to place furniture in front of the windows you have. So for example, are they floor to ceiling or are they mid-height? If they were mid-height, you could potentially put a sofa under the window, whereas you'd never put a sofa in a floor to ceiling window because it'll visually block the space, but it'll also restrict the amount of light coming into your property. Number five, your door locations. Your doors are pretty important because they direct the flow of traffic into your room. They also decide where you're naturally going to place your furniture as well to make sure you've got a layout that works properly. So don't block the path between doorways with any large pieces of furniture if you can possibly avoid it. Number six, the flow to other areas of your property. Are you designing a standalone room like a bedroom or a bathroom that's enclosed with a door? 
Or are you designing a more free-flowing space that connects to other areas of your home so they're all visually connected? You naturally want to lead people on a smooth, logical path, walking in arcs rather than sharp right angles. The idea is really to minimize the need to suddenly change direction when you're navigating around your furniture in your home. Now, this is really important, especially in an open plan room where you've got your kitchen, your living area, your dining area, and maybe even an outdoor area all flowing together, particularly if you're in a smaller property like a one-bedroom apartment where a lot of your rooms are automatically connected. Seven, your ceiling height. A high ceiling is going to give you a greater sense of space than a low one. In the latter case, you'll need to scale your furnishings accordingly to give the illusion of a higher ceiling. Now, when it comes to your layouts, one of the biggest frustrations for a lot of homeowners, even a lot of renters, is not having enough storage. So another area that I would really love you to look for is dead space and how you can turn that into usable space. For example, a lot of people have dead space under the stairs. So for me as an experienced renovator, I'd be saying, well, why don't we make that a study area or extra cupboards under the stairs? Now, you're going to love this one. I'd really love you to think about your vertical space, not just your floor space. A lot of people get this wrong. You can never have too much storage in your home. So ask yourself, is there a wall somewhere you can use for some sneaky cabinets or open style shelving? If you've got an old large laundry with an external door, could you reduce the size of your laundry and convert the rest of the space into a mudroom? Basically, it's a little spot inside your back door entry that you line with shelves, hooks, cupboards, a spot where you can dump all your stuff like your school bags, your muddy shoes, your umbrellas, your raincoats, dirty shoes, that sort of stuff. They're very easy to create and a very practical addition to any home these days and can be done cheaply as well. The other thing to consider is something we call the line of sight, where you direct people's attention as they enter a room. Yep, that comes down to your floor plan too. No one immediately wants to be greeted by a rubbish bin in your kitchen corner or next door's rusting hills hoist when they walk into your living room. So as you're designing your rooms, think about where you want people to look as they enter and circulate throughout your home. It's called focal points and going to be things like a fabulous fireplace, a large painting on a wall, a nice bookshelf full of books perhaps, could be even something like a mirror at the end of a hallway. Creating a focal point is also a really useful way to distract attention away from things in your home that you just don't want people to see. Another good tip is to spend time looking at properties for sale online and maybe even visiting a couple of open for inspections in your area that look like the kind of home you're trying to create. Display homes, for example, are so great for inspiration. In most cases, they've been designed and styled by experienced professionals. You'll actually notice where these pros have placed their furnishings in an open plan layout, where your eye naturally falls as you enter a room, how they've created a style that smoothly transitions from room to room. You'll notice how much space they've left between furnishings and for major thoroughfares. You'll look at how they've distracted your attention away from areas that aren't so crash hot, like that ugly brick wall right outside the bedroom window, you'll soon get a feel for what makes certain layouts really successful just by copying ideas from other people. 
Now, once you've done that, the next thing you need to do is break out the good old-fashioned measuring tape. Accurate measurements are absolutely critical to your floor plan. So for each room you're making over, you'll need to know the total length of each wall, your ceiling height, and the dimensions between all your windows, doors, and any other openings in your room. Once you've taken all your measurements, I want you to find yourself a buddy and get them to check your measurements. Because what I do know as a very experienced renovator, if you get the wrong measurements, your whole design plan is going to be thrown out. So now you have all your accurate room measurements. What comes next? It's drawing up your floor plan. Now, the great news is there's a truckload of free online floor planners that you can use to mock up your layout. But before you go all gung-ho in that direction, I want you to start old school. And old school is just graph paper, pencil, rubber and a ruler. That's it. Now, the reason why I want you to do old school first is because it's so much faster. Obviously, to move things around on a digital floor planner, it's more time consuming. So the best place to start this process is, first of all, any existing furniture that you want to keep, just do a cutout on graph paper. Normally, graph paper, one square equals 100 mil. So if you've got a one meter coffee table, that furniture cutout will be 10 squares. So do all your furniture cutouts first, then move to a second page of graph paper, which has your whole room layout. And then all you do is just move your furniture around to see what naturally works and it's all to scale. In your living areas, consider how many people will normally be using the room. That'll be a really good guide as to how much seating you'll need in that room. When you're arranging your furniture, try to make sure that the sofas and your chairs face each other to some degree. Otherwise, you end up in a situation where people can't easily chat to each other without craning their necks or yelling across the room. And make sure you direct traffic around a seating cluster, not straight through the dead center middle of it. On your floor plan, draw arrows that mark the flow of traffic from your door openings and around the room. Does it flow smoothly? Does it flow logically? Remember we talked about those smooth arcs that people should be walking in, not sharp right angles around things like your dining tables and coffee table. Think about those focal points, that line of sight that I mentioned earlier. What's the very first thing you want people to see when they walk into the room? You might want to rethink about where you're wanting to place that big wall-hung TV. What's really important is that you don't rush this process. Take as long as you need to play around with your cutouts until you feel you've got the furnishings in the right proportion to the size and the shape of your room. Study the traffic arrows that you've drawn to make sure you're taking people on the most logical path through that room. And when your layout does begin to take shape on paper, only then you might want to experiment with one of those online floor planners. You can even play around with colours, wallpapers, furnishings, kitchen cabinetry tiles until you end up with a room that will pretty much look exactly as it will in real life. So some of the more popular floor planner sites are floorplanner.com or roomsketcher.com. Now, the good news is they've got free tutorials. You can teach yourself this sort of stuff over the course of an hour or two. The best part, you won't have to hire an interior designer. Okay, to finish up with logical layouts, I'm going to leave you with a few extra tips that might help you with your floor plan. Number one, road test your ideas. 
don't be shy about testing some of your layouts that you're considering in real life. You can mark up with masking tape on your floor where you're planning to stick big ticket items like your wardrobes or your sofas, your dining table and chairs. You can stack up boxes in your rooms to replicate their height. You can see for yourself how your layout works in reality. You might find it's way more squeezy than it looks on paper. Number two, be realistic with your plans. Make sure the sizes of your room will fit the purpose. There's absolutely no point creating a teenager's retreat that's the size of a baby's bedroom or trying to make an open plan layout from a space that's way too small. Don't forget the aim is to improve your home, not create something worse. Number three, do some research around recommended spaces to leave for walkways and around your furniture. This is really about the flow of traffic, which we've talked about so much already. Interior designers can be quite fixated on this, where they have a certain minimum or a certain maximum amount of difference to say how far away your coffee table is from your sofa. For example, some say to allow around 70 to 122 centimetres of width for major walkways. Last but not least, number four, think about really inventive ways to break up big spaces. In an open plan living area, room dividers can be something as simple as a timber bookshelf with hanging greenery and lots of lovely knickknacks on them. For example, in one of my renovations, in a master bedroom that was oversized, I installed a fake partition wall. It gave me the ability to hang a wall-hung TV on it so I could lay in bed and watch TV. Gotta love that. On the other side of the wall, I had open shelving and that became my shoe rack. Buyers loved it. On the next episode, I'm going to be teaching you how to create a happy and healthy home. We spend so much time in our home, so this is critical to get right. Transform Your Home was created in partnership with Fantastic Furniture. Written and presented by me, Cherie Barber. Producer, Alex Mitchell. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, simply search Transform Your Home podcast. Listener.